RadioInfluence.com Why, Crusher, it's good to see you. You're listening to Crush Performance with the Crusher, Jeff Crushell. Get in on the talent grid and text Crush at 10-12-60 with your questions, comments, or smart-ass remarks. And welcome to Crush Performance, everybody. Jeff Crushell here. Hey, we're your weekly source for performance information. Thanks for joining us this week. If you want to reach out to us, do so. You can check us out at crushperformance.com. Info at crushperformance is our email. Follow me on Twitter at Jeff Crush. And on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, search out Crush Performance and we will hook you up with everything we know in the world of human performance. Well, today, our series called The Crush Brain Game continues as we start our look into the technology that's allowing us to map, monitor, and train our brains and our brain function like never before in the history of human performance. So I'm looking forward to today's show. We've been talking about what biofeedback is, what brain training is all about, what is brain performance? Anyway, how do you define the brain? And we've had some great guests up until now, but today we're going to dive into the technology that's allowing us to train the brain. But before we get to that, of course, it's the fall And with the fall comes fall sports. The NBA, Lakers take the title. Of course, you all know that. But from the crush perspective, there's so many incredible storylines here through the NBA playoffs, how they handled COVID, the bubble, how incredibly successful that model was, at least for the NBA. And how pro sports, I think, has really set the tone for developmental and even minor sports to continue on. We need to find a way, as we mentioned in our series, the kids of COVID and the NBA set a premium example of how to handle performance and keeping the game going in this day and age, which is not an easy task for sure. But in terms of the playoffs themselves, unbelievable playoffs, such great, great performances and a very interesting sideline coming out of this incredible downtime that we're seeing as a result of the COVID is the fact that the GMs, the trainers and some of the players themselves had mentioned publicly about the increased level of play and the higher level of health and readiness of the players. And a lot of that has to do with no travel. Could we be looking at a new age of professional sports where we start recalibrating our thinking as to how this really has to go down? Because as we've shown here, there is no template for what we can do in the case of an emergency. Well, if you look at the increasing rate of injuries at all levels of sport, the dropout rates in our developmental and minor sports, I think you could classify that as a state of emergency in the world of sport because it truly is. And I think with this shutdown that we're seeing due to the COVID landscape, we could be looking at that. COVID technical advantage? Could we see healthier, higher performing athletes on the other side of this? Well, we're watching with great interest, but feedback from the NBA bubble is incredibly encouraging. And if we know one thing about the NBA, when it comes to player health, they're not pulling any punches. They've changed their scheduling. They've changed the travel. They've looked at every opportunity possible to this point to help their athletes perform at their highest level, but also avoid injuries and stay healthy. I think that's going to continue in a very interesting way. But when we look at these playoffs and the Lakers, of course, what a tribute to Kobe and what that franchise is all about. What a tribute to the game. The Heat were really, really uh, strong. They just came out slow. And at that level, in any sport, you can't come out at least that slow. Man, they came back hard, though. And it was fun to watch in a lot of different ways. But, of course, all the conversation is revolving around LeBron and what this means for his legacy. Look. I don't even want to start talking about LeBron's legacy because at 35 years of age, we got a long way to go. What he's done up until now, incredible. Whether you love him, whether you don't love him, whether you just appreciate how he plays, whatever your opinion is, man, this guy on the court is something else. And, you know, is he in the conversation to be the best ever? Well, I can't say that right now, Um, but he's certainly one of the current top players, the current top player that we're so lucky to see perform. And I think he's one of those special players. It's recalibrating the game. 
There's no question he is special amongst the special in the sport of basketball. And he's going to recalibrate and he has a lot of time to recalibrate that sport. And uh, it's fun to watch. So it was really great to see the Lakers take home that championship in the bubble. And that's just good, not just for sport, everybody. I think that's good for all of us, whether you're a fan of basketball or not. It was great just to know that sport is, is out there and moving forward. And that takes us to the NFL, of course. I'm loving the NFL right now. We're watching them sort of work through some difficult times right now in terms of postponing, rescheduling games due to COVID. And I think that they need to take a chapter out of MLB's playbook. When MLB started falling apart, if you guys remember, with I think it was the Cardinals, and then Miami had a bunch of guys testing positive because they were stepping outside of the recommended guidelines for team activities, player activities. We got to be disciplined here. If the NFL is going to succeed, if you're going to get that game day check, if you're one of those players, you better be following the rules Uh, because there's going to be a point here where if they start missing too many games too late in the season, they're not going to be able to reschedule. I suppose they could just extend the season if they wanted to. Why not? It is an extraordinary time and desperate times call for desperate measures. They may need to extend the season if this keeps up, but we're hoping that everybody falls into place because I'm, I'm really loving the NFL season so far. Our storylines are just fantastic, man. My Raiders, if you guys listen to the show, you know, I'm a Raiders fan. always have been. I don't know why. I think I like the costumes as a kid. I like the costumes. I like how they played. They played hard and they were good back in the day when I was a kid. They haven't been good for a long, long, long time. (laughs) Unfortunately for Raider fans out there, but Hey, It's been fun to watch this team try to turn it around. The Gruden signing was great. They haven't done so well under his guidance so far. Uh, The new stadium here and the move to Vegas was supposed to be an epic move, a a, a huge, massive Vegas unveiling, which is going to happen when this is all over. There will be a magnificent unveiling of that new stadium, and I can't wait for that because we just haven't done it justice yet. And there's a couple other stadiums that are – you know, under that discussion as well. And we'll talk about that when we get into the MLB major league baseball playoffs, but the Raiders man go, they're coming around and they're doing okay. They're hanging on. They're one of our teams to watch because of the move to Vegas and the investment that team has made. And also the Browns. How about this? The Browns, they're actually doing it. Oh, fingers crossed. No jinx. I don't believe in jinxes, at least not like this anyway. You know, I think maybe, wearing your same underwear, never washing your underwear, your socks or hanging your jock or tying your shoes a certain way. That stuff might have some credence with me, (laughs) but, but not, not this kind of a jinx, man. Hey, the Browns are fun to watch right now. And thank goodness for Cleveland fans, everybody, come on. You got to love those Cleveland fans. And boy, do they deserve a team that can actually, you know, give them a run hopefully into the postseason here. But uh, the Browns are our top team to watch for the last three years simply to see if they can actually turn this thing around. Boy, after what is a legitimate sport rebuild. It's very rare to see an honest-to-goodness from the ground-up rebuild. I think we're in baseball. The only other thing I could think of, the only other team or organization is the Orioles, Baltimore Orioles. Right now, we're going through it. The Browns are climbing out of that one, so they're fun to watch. We're watching the Bucs, of course, and the Patriots for everybody knows why. And uh, the Bucs were a little nervous off the start. And I thought they'd be better, but they're holding in there and they're coming together. We'll see how it goes. I think Brady's getting a taste of what the real world is like right now. And he's going to have to work with everybody there to make sure they can play at the best, highest possible level because it's not like the Patriots where the coaching staff and that organization has a, a storied level of performance, a storied accountability. And a very simple set of rules. Know your job. If you don't know your job, you better figure out your job and trust your teammates in the system. Belichick's simple rules. Know your job, trust the system, believe in your teammates. And we'll see how the Patriots do. And I'm just hoping, of course, that the NFL season keeps going. And I think they do. They need a strong warning shot across the bow like MLB did sort of midway through their season when those teams were running into trouble, as we mentioned. And the MLB playoffs, of course, wow, man, has it this been a ride. Half the league into the playoffs. I think that's something that might stick around post-COVID era. I love the fact that there were 16 teams involved. 
And what a pathway. The Braves and the Dodgers right now. The Dodgers, one of, if not the best team in baseball over the, the last few years and last good number of years. They have such an incredible record of getting into the postseason. Can they do it this year? Well, I'm telling you, the Braves are not to be underestimated. All season long, they've proven what they're all about, and that is a strong team over there. They're so solid, especially when it comes to their pitching staff. They have so much depth there. And if you look at what happened in game number one here earlier this week, oh, man, that ninth inning, that's why that's the crazy thing about baseball. You never know when all hell's going to break loose. And you have to have patience. And if you look at the players that came in and actually contributed to the Braves' win in game number one, man, oh man, how great was that? These guys coming in off the bench and making it happen. That's what that's what baseball is all about. That's what sports all about right there. So much fun. That was a true team effort and fun to watch. We'll see if the Dodgers and the Braves can duke it out to a game seven. How great would that be? But fun to watch. And of course, um, the Rays in Houston. The Rays, you know, Maybe one of the best performing teams in all of baseball. Maybe on paper, not the best team in baseball like the Dodgers, but they're one of the top performing teams in all of baseball. And I absolutely love them. I love everything about them. Small market, full team effort again. Everybody, every player on that bench counts. And everybody in that bench is all in. And that has a lot to do with their great leadership. Kevin Cash, of course, the manager there. He was one of my players back in the Blue Jay days. Kevin Cash was a great teammate back in the day. He was one of those guys that was just there, always doing something to get better. And it shows. And that just, I think it's really carrying over. His philosophy and his approach to the way he played is really carrying over to how he's encouraging and getting the most in, of his players right now and encouraging these guys to, to get it done. That takes great leadership. We've seen great leaders in sport before and how powerful they can be. Kevin Cash, I believe, is one of those guys. He's one of those great leaders. Joe Madden has, over the last decade, since he was with the Rays, going to the Cubs, Joe Madden has been one of those talked-about leaders. One of those guys that you hear from the players and you hear from the front office staff and you hear from the other coaches. He's just one of those guys that makes you want to be around the game, makes you want to do your best. I think that's what Kevin Cash is all about. And there's a few of those leaders right now. Chris Woodward with Texas Rangers. They're one of our teams to watch as well. And of course, there's that other stadium that's just not getting its grand opening like it should. We're getting to see it here in the postseason as, you know, the World Series will be there and the Dodgers and Braves are playing there. But that beautiful new stadium didn't get its justified grand opening. So I can't wait for that to happen because that is a work of art underneath behind the scenes. That is a sports performance laboratory. We'll talk to the guys from Texas about what that stadium is all about, but oh my goodness, it's a lot like the Blue Jays' new complex down in Dunedin, their training complex. That's not a training complex. That's a sports performance laboratory. So many cool things going on behind the scenes. And then, of course, the Rays taking on Houston, maybe right now currently the most hated team in baseball. And even if you're a great Houston fan, you can't deny what that team did and what it's all about with the sign-stealing uh, sign incidents from last year. Uh, they've cast a shadow over their performance, and they're a great team. They were a great team. It's one of the disappointing things about that whole sign-stealing incident. And there's, there's two or three of my favorite all-time players to watch on there that now have asterisks by their names. Damn it. Why? Why? It's like these guys who have been caught using steroids, great players that probably didn't need to use, but for whatever reason, they decided to go to the dark side, you know, and it's hard to judge character until you're in those shoes. You know, we say that, but Hey man, that can't happen. And even if you do apologize for it, you still did it. You did it, man. And that's tough to overcome. And, and, you know, over time, you know, given time, I think we can get by it all. But it doesn't change the fact that it really, really does uh, cheat a lot of players. And it cheats the game, the game and the fans as well. And Houston's kind of got that, got that cloud above them right now. And that's going to be a tough one to shake. It's going to take a few years. But uh, that series is going to be fun to watch as well. So right now, my bracket, my Major League Baseball postseason bracket is looking brilliant. I have the Rays and the Dodgers 
going all the way to the World Series and is looking good right now. It's looking good. I'm kind of looking at the Braves and they've sort of, the Braves were my, man, I had, geez, they're so good. Who knew, you know, who knew? But, but I think um, I'm actually hoping for the Braves to come through out of this because would you call them the underdog? I'm not sure. But as a sports fan, I am loving it. Absolutely loving it. And I love fall sports. And I'm glad to see that uh, college sports happening. I'm glad to see that the high schools and middle middle grade schools are finding a way to maybe not play games, but keep the, act, the athletes active and engaged, practicing. Maybe they're not playing games, but we found ways to train. And again, that goes back to our series, The Kids of COVID, and our great conversation with Dr. Holt, where you know we're anticipating and keeping our eye open for maybe a bright light coming out of this COVID madness. And that's the COVID technical advantage that Dr. Holt mentioned, you know, because we're not playing games. Could we see a massive surge in the skill levels of our athletes? Because let's face it, playing games, especially at the younger levels, doesn't really serve a purpose in terms of overall development. Once you have the skill set down, once you've mastered those technical, tactical skills, then competition really does serve a purpose because you got to figure out how to use those skills and those technical learnings that you have now, mastery, if you want to call it, in the competitive world. And that's where champions come together. So could we see a massive surge in human performance after this COVID, after we get past this madness? Ooh, I hope so. We're watching as I think we're going to see it. I really do. We're going to have fewer injuries. I hope we, recal- we, we recalibrate our competitive schedules. I think some good things are going to come out of this for sure. And in the meantime, in between time, if you're not playing games, athletes, coaches, parents, hey, take advantage of this downtime. Use this downtime to max out that COVID technical advantage. And that means not just practicing your sport, but that also means training as an athlete, working on those areas, depending on your age, your development, and where you're at in your game, but work on the things that are going to make you a better player, a more coachable player. So when you are practicing your technical, tactical side of the game, you can do those things you need to do. And it's a never-ending cycle of trying to increase athletic ability to increase coachability and in-game performance. Oh, I love it. I love it. And that's why I'm so into our series the brain game today, episode number four. And again, there's no limits to the number of episodes here. We're digging down deep. We started this series knowing we're up against it. How do you define the brain for starters? And what exactly is brain performance? And what can we now do when it comes to the mental and the brain training side of the game? You have the brain, you have the mind, you have the mental side of the game, neurophysiology, neuropsychology. It's such a vast vast area when it comes to human performance to whittle it all down and get a good understanding. It's going to take some time. We're going into episode number four today. And I have to right now, um, shout out uh, a special thanks to Lawrence Klein here. Lawrence is the co-founder and vice chairman of the board for thought technology. One of the world's leading technology companies in the area of bio and neurofeedback and instrument development. They're leading the charge on this technical side that's allowing us to do and train and understand the brain like we've never been able to before. And early on in our uh, research into the brain game series, I reached out and contacted Lawrence. He was one of our key contacts in this investigation into this series. And uh, boy, I tell you what, I left him a message. He got right back to me. I was amazed because, you know, we've reached out to a lot of people over the years. There's so many people we've wanted to get on the air to share with you guys. Lawrence got right back to me and said, hey, Jeff, I heard your message. Get back to me. Boom, boom, boom. And uh, man, we've had many, many great discussions since we first talked. And he has been incredibly generous and has connected us with some of the top people in the world when it comes to brain and sport performance and bio and neurofeedback. And we're going to hear from Lawrence later in the series here. Fascinating story. We're going to get back to the start of thought technology, how it started and, and we're going to go through their roadmap. And you can check them out uh, on their website. You just search out Google Thought Technology and check out their timeline. The incredible things that company has done and the incredible things they're about to do this fall. Really great stuff. So a special, special thanks to Lawrence Klein, who's been a big, big part of helping us with this series. Um, as we work to establish the brain as one of the top priorities in human performance. 
Is it a foundation that all other areas of human performance rely on? Well, in the past, up until now, and what's driving this series is that very question. We've had four top priorities, fundamental foundations of human performance that have to be addressed, we feel, if you're truly going to tap into your potential. And really quickly, you guys have heard them on every episode so far, so I won't labor on them. If you want to find out more about these top priorities, you can go back to episode one and two. We talk about them in great length. But sleep, rest, and recovery is our number one priority. That has to be addressed. And then nutrition and hydration, a second, a close second, but certainly second. Posture, range of motion. We have to make sure we're set up properly physically if we're truly going to tap into our potential. And then also, before we really get into the technical, tactical side of the game, before we get into the true sport performance, we need to be accomplished movers. And if we're not accomplished movers, you cannot tap into your potential. And I don't care whether that movement is swinging a racket or a bat or whether it's running the miracle mile. Movement is a critical, foundational, key performance element when it comes to human performance. And it has to be addressed. So could the brain, the question is, could the brain be number five? When we talk about the mental game, things like anxiety, stress, performance, focus, discipline, there's so many different areas here. Something that's been addressed. These have been things that we've sort of addressed as needed typically in the past. It's not something that everybody has bought into. It's not something that everybody even needs. We have top performers that, that just have never even addressed any of this. And they may not in the future, even though we've got new technology and new knowledge that might push human performance forward. But not everybody needs it. You know, we have an athlete with anxiety and that's a real thing. Stress, helping them focus during performance, helping them work on their discipline and getting organized and simplifying things so they can really, really execute their master plan when it comes to their sport performance. These are things that we've sort of addressed after we've gotten things going. But now the question is, based on everything we know and some of the conversations we've had on this show with the great psychologists that we've had on and the mental training coaches, starting with Harvey Dorfman and the great Jim Fannin, and the crush favorite, Martin Morazic, who actually kicked off this entire series, has done so much work in the area of sports psychology and neurophysiology and concussion recovery. And I think a lot of the new knowledge that we have now is coming out of that world. Our understanding of how the brain works and recovery from head injury. Boy, has that world changed. We talked about that with Dr. Morazic in episode number one. It's really driven a lot of the knowledge that we have now. And of course, like everything in medicine, it seems, whether we look at the pharmaceuticals or even some of the instrumentation, um, if there is a benefit to human performance, it always trickles over to the sports side. And I think, you know, on the concussion conversation, we're seeing a lot of that happening right now. A lot of the knowledge coming out of understanding brain injuries and what exactly is going on when it happens and what is the best strategy to return to play. Oh, we've learned so much in the last two or three years, leave alone the last five to 10. And so all of these things have turned a page and brought us to this new era where we're now questioning, should the brain be something that we address before we attack the in-game performance? Or is it something that, you know, once we get going, we can address as needed? Well, I think so far in our discussions with Dr. Morazic, Dr. Eric Pepper, and last week, Dr. Ina Kazan, we have a really, really deep understanding of where we're at in terms of brain performance and how we can control it now and how the technology is really, really driving us in new directions. Fascinating stuff. Well, today we're going to get into that very discussion. Today we're going to look at the technology side and how it's allowing us to train the brain like never before. Today on the show, we're going to talk with Lucas Borgo, the product manager at Thought Technologies. We look at the technology that's allowing us to better understand and train the brain like we've never been able to before. How does it work? What exactly are we measuring? And where do we go from here? Because listen, we are just at the very, very beginning of this new age of brain training and human performance. Stick around, everybody. We get down to it right after this with Lucas Borgo of Thought Technology on episode four of the Crush Brain Game right after this. 
This is Crush Performance, your weekly source for sport performance and athletic development information with Jeff Crushell. Get in the action and text Crush at 10-1260 with your questions, comments, or smart-ass remarks. Welcome back to Crush Performance, everybody. Jeff Crushell here. Hey, thanks for sticking around over the break. We're into episode number four of the Crush Brain Game, and it's a doozy here today. We are going to start our look into the technology that's allowing us to tap into, understand, and even train the brain real time. The first three episodes of the series have really set the stage of understanding in terms of what brain training is all about. What is biofeedback? What is neurofeedback? We kind of had a look at how the brain works. What is brain training and brain performance all about? couple interesting things that still I'm intrigued about and we need to talk about in this series is the difference between the brain and the mind. Something that Dr. Morazic mentioned and Dr. Pepper as well. They both sort of mentioned those two areas. And just mentioning the fact that the brain and the mind might be separate in some ways That is worthy of some investigation. So we're going to get to the bottom of that. I think we all kind of know what that's all about. But let's define it for sure because that's what this series is all about. Should the brain be one of the top fundamental priorities that we address before we get into performance training for sport? Something that's going to allow us to perform, train, and get the most out of the effort we're putting in. Something that's going to make us more coachable, more adaptable. Something that's going to truly help us tap into our potential once we start going for it. Right now, of course, those four priorities, sleep, number one. The number one priority in human performance across the board, no matter what you're doing, is sleep. There's no room for macho egotism here. Sleep is a priority. And if you're not getting enough, you are not performing at your highest. Sleep should be a priority. Naps for everybody, of course. We've had many, many sleep experts on and we're going to talk more about it because there's some great new stuff on sleep right now. Dr. Charles Samuels for the Center for Sleep and Human Performance, one of the crush favorites. Sherry Ma, of course, and her great work in the area of sleep from the Stanford Sleep Studies to what she's doing now as a doctor, a medical doctor. Uh, Great discussions there. There's more to come, but sleep is by far the number one priority. If you're not setting that up and taking care of that, you cannot operate at your potential. Then nutrition, hydration, Posture, functional range of motion around your joints, and then you got to move. Now, could there be a fifth fundamental top priority? And is it the brain? That's what the series is all about. And we know which direction we're going right now. We certainly do with all the episodes. We've got a few more to come. And again, there's no limit to the number of episodes here. We're going to keep going. We're going to keep digging until we have a clear answer. And if you guys have any questions about it, please write to us. Crushperformance.com is the website. Info at Crushperformance is our email. We answer every message we get. And we've had some great inquiries about this series so far from our audience, from around the world, from Japan to Australia, to everywhere in North America, to Europe as well. Um, New Zealand, beautiful. Great questions, everybody. And we answer every message we get, just so you know. Uh, and And if you have a question that's not related to this series, listen, if you need help, with something, or if there's something you'd like us to investigate outside of this series, let us know. We've dedicated segments, even entire episodes to your idea. And here's what I will tell you. If you need help with something, if we don't have the answers, we'll get them to you. I can pretty much guarantee we know somebody who has those answers. All right. Well, speaking of answers, we want answers. And when it comes to the brain game, we know that there has been this incredible push in the technology world. It's now allowing us to better understand, map, and even train the brain like never before. And the good people at Thought Technology are the world leaders in this area. And we're joined now by Lucas Borgo, the product manager at Thought Technology in charge of performance products. Lucas, welcome to the show. So glad you could make it. Jeff, great to be here. Well, listen, I've really been excited for this conversation, Lucas, for two main reasons. One, of course, your background in sport is outstanding. So you have a good appreciation for where our athletes and athletes everywhere are coming from. But most importantly, we're really trying to establish the brain. And it's a big, big picture. This brain is a complex, really, really deep, deep uh, organism. 
Uh, but we're trying to classify the brain as one of our top priorities for human performance. And, you know, if we look at our priorities right now, Lucas, again, our, our listeners are getting sick of me hearing it, but I'll just preface our conversation with this. Right now, when we on take an athlete or an organization, we have four main priorities that we address. Sleep, rest, and recovery, nutrition, hydration, posture, range of motion, and then movement. How good are these athletes moving collectively and individually? And then from there, we address and attack everything else. But once those four are in place, and if they're addressed properly, um, we've got a good foundation to build on. And in recent years, and some of the recent data that's come out has really got us rethinking this. Um, should the brain be one of our top priorities? Well, when we look at where we're at in human performance, we're kind of at a biological ceiling, so to speak. You want to get faster, you want to jump higher, you want to get stronger. We know that very, very well. When it comes to skill acquisition and talent development, technical, tactical work, we've got a really good idea. Given time and effort, we've really got a handle on both of those things. And I, I honestly think, and I'd like to get your opinion here, but I do believe the next great frontiers for pushing human performance forward lie in technology uh, and not necessarily just the technology that we use in terms of our sport, but the technology that's allowing us to better understand, visualize, monitor, and train the brain. Technology in yep. the brain, are, I think, just in my humble opinion, might have the greatest potential for pushing human performance forward. This is right in your wheelhouse, so I'm looking forward to talking to you today. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to digging into that. You know, for me, um, with my background, uh, coaching and then obviously with thought tech on, on the technology side, um, I got to see kind of both sides. I got to see what athletes look like in development, you know, where there's ma major physiological differences. You being from the, uh, the performance physiology world, you know this. Um, there's a lot of things that get measured throughout in, in that space. Um, but once we get to really the top levels of elite performance, the huge shift is that you're dealing with a bunch of thoroughbreds already. So physically, there's a lot. There, there's not a lot of discrepancy. Um, if we look at something like Major League Baseball, there's a ton of guys in the minor leagues that throw 90 to 94 to 96. But why are they in the minor leagues? And really, what it comes down to is their ability to perform and how how does our brain impact them? That's really what's interesting to me. Yeah, and I agree with you. It's so true. And you know, um, if you don't have those physical things taken care of. Uh, it's a deal breaker, right? So, so that's first and foremost, something that's very important and needs to happen. Um, but when it comes to the tipping point, the brain is such an important part of our performance. And when we, when we go to define the brain, Lucas, here's one thing that we're really working on through this series. And we've talked to a lot of the world's top experts so far and many more to come um, as we, as we work to establish the brain as one of our top priorities um, the brain is so many different things. It's a century depot. It's the, it's the mission control for pretty much everything that happens in the human body. Um, it's also a, a, a massive energy utilizer. It controls our mood, our personality. Uh, it's also yeah. a chemical factory as well. So there's so many things that it does, including our temperament, our attitude, and, and everything that's involved there. So it's a really, really mixed bag of tricks. It's not simple for sure, uh, but it's all important. Yeah, for sure. 100% agree with you on that. And, you know, what, what, we, what we really went into and where some of the, some of the research it's interesting now is it's tying some of these physiological states um, like our heart rate variability and our skin inductance to actual central nervous system activity. Um, so, and you said this and why the brain is really interesting for me as well. It's this kind of space where we still don't, we still don't know more than we actually know. And we're still exploring and there's a lot of great research going on uh, in Canada, in the U S throughout the world. That's really attempting to, figure out how, how all, all, I'll, I'll revisit it. Um, so I, I'm a bit of an Italian. I talk with my hands and I walk around too much. Um, <laughs> Understood. Yeah. So, so what, what we see in, in the world, in, in the research coming out now is there's a lot of things tying um, thing, uh, the physiological measures that we look at our heart rate variability, our skin inductance, um, those, those ANS components, they're being tied directly to brain activity. So things like tying skin conductors to frontal lobe activity. There's research coming out in that. And so there's a lot of great researchers, researchers that are doing work in Canada and the U.S. throughout the world that are beginning to look at how all of this works. One of the challenges, I think, in, in, in the research is trying to make sense of the system because it's not just this linear system that says up is good, down is bad. So... 
we're still at a stage where it's really in its infancy. Where we're trying to figure out, you know, what's good, what's bad, why is it good, why is it bad, how does it vary from individual to individual, and ultimately, how can we apply that in, in really a high-performance environment to make athletes better, to make them perform better when it matters the most. And so, again, all of these factors for me is really what's interested in me. It's kind of looking at all of these moving parts and trying to put it, put together something that, that's logical. Oh, so interesting, Lucas. You know, this is, um, this is a really important conversation right here because, you know, this is the marriage of technology and performance, especially when it relates to the brain. Let me ask you this, going back to your days, we know you coached and played baseball at a college level. What got you into this area of study when it comes to uh, your role as product manager at Thought Technology? Yeah, so I ended up with, with, with Thought Tech. So I'm originally from California. I ended up moving to Canada, and I, I caught him with Thought Tech through, through a friend of mine. And just sitting down with uh, Lawrence Klein, our VP, um, and our, our old uh, product manager that was in charge of all the performance stuff, Mark Soft, there was a lot of synergy with what we thought worked and how we can apply the technology that we have in performance. Um, and as I learned more about, about our history, we, we, we were fortunate at Thought Tech because we've always kind of been on the forefront of integrating technology into performance. Uh, first, it was about shrinking the technology. Then it was about speeding up the the, the signal so we got more quality out of it. Um, and now we're kind of in, in, in this new realm where we're exploring how the technology fits better in specific types of environments and performance is one of those. So it was kind of this natural marriage about after when I caught on at Thought Tech and learning about the history and then really starting to apply and see how we can help kind of do our part from the technology side, from the corporate side to, to push performance forward. Yeah, fascinating stuff. We're talking with Lucas Borgo, product manager at Thought Technology. Thought Technology, of course, uh, one of the biggest contributors to uh, brain technology and brain training technology in the world right now. And Lucas, that's what brought me to you guys, actually, is working with our Olympic and professional athletes and looking for uh, that next level. Because as we mentioned earlier, we had the physical side down. We, we really do understand biochemistry and nutrition quite, quite well. Uh, we have the sleep science down and, you know, we're looking at the next areas for tapping into human potential. And it was certainly the brain, but we just didn't have the tools. What yeah. an incredibly exciting time this is in human performance. And you guys are major players in this landscape because you're allowing us to not only better understand and see how the brain's working real time, you're also allowing us a feedback system that's providing us the opportunity to help our athletes get control and understand and better train their minds. And this has never, ever happened before. What an exciting time this is. Yeah, a hundred percent agree with you there. So that whole feedback system is really critical to what we do. Um, and when I look at our technology and how uh, it really gets applied, it's really a tool to, like you mentioned, Jeff, it's, it's a tool to give that insight into what's going on and how can we make sense of this? Um, we've obviously fallen very strongly into the, into the sports psych performance psych realm. Um, but we also know that technology is used for other things. I mean, with HRV, obviously, there's a physiological component there that may be some aspect of recovery. Um, so we're really excited to be able to have a technology that provides these insights. We're, we're working on some stuff now where we're trying to increase the accessibility of this. So traditionally, our systems have been used one-on-one -on -one in, a, in a clinical type or in a, in a room type setting. And we're really working on driving forward to giving athletes access from anywhere and still providing the same quality and depth of information that uh, the, the performance teams used to see in, in, kind of in their facility. Yeah, I really like that, Lucas, because this is such a powerful tool. And, you know, once our athletes started using it, uh, regardless of what program they were doing, whether it was the biofeedback, neurofeedback, heart rate variability, could have been some of the skin conductance um, um, drills as well. Once they understood what it was all about, they really did take a leadership role in how it was applied and how quickly they progressed as well, which I thought was really cool. Yeah. Yeah. And it's really insightful for them. So it's going to give them another level of awareness that, that they don't already have uh, in terms of what's going on with them. So a lot of the work we've done on the performance side has to do with um, dealing with performance anxiety, with stress. And what we know is, what a lot of people know, what they, what they kind of learn throughout their life is when we get stressed, certain things happen. Our heart rate speeds up, our breathing gets very shallow, our hands get cold and clammy, they get sweaty. Um, and so our system is really designed to teach people kind of what that feels like 
and then to give them the tools to address it. So we know from things like heart rate variability, there is some training effect just to doing the heart rate variability biofeedback. So they're going to be naturally more resi resi uh, resilient, more responsive to stress in, in that kind of in, in that kind of situation, just from doing the training itself. And then there's also the ability to say, okay, am I stressed out? Am I aware of what's going on within my body so that I can be really performing at my best. So, so in the last few years, there's been a big push on mindfulness and performance. And that's kind of that introspective look, like where, where am I at? Am I where I need to be? Um, and then the next step for me is, okay, now how do I get there? Okay, so how, how do I take my, my, my state? I know I'm stressed, but do I have the skill set? Have I developed the skill set through the biofeedback and the neurofeedback to be able to actually do some self-regulation and have enough of the skill where it's there when I need it the most? And so when we talk with, with, with um, performance teams, really that's what the conversation is about. It's about giving the athlete some additional skills. So we know they do imagery and visualization, and there's all these tools that sports psychologists and performance teams have to kind of push towards that goal of an optimal performance. And this is just another one of those. It's a skill that needs to be worked on. It's a skill that needs to be built. It's a skill that they're going to be able to take with them in the performance once they have it. And that's where, I guess for me, it's really interesting because we're able to help the athletes kind of get out of their own way when they're really stressed. Oh, and that's a really good way to put it. Get out of their own way. Good, great tools. We're talking with Lucas Borgo, product manager at Thought Technology. Um, Lucas, some really, really important things you mentioned in that last part of the conversation. Um, anxiety and stress. We know it's a big one for everybody, yep. not just our athletes, but certainly our athletes who are under the spotlight and, you know, in high pressure situations all the time, even though it's just sport. But think of the implications here for our truck drivers, our long haulers who need to be just so on task. Um, how about our first responders in our military? Such huge implications here. Uh, those are life yep. and death. Very, very serious, of course. Um, but we know anxiety and stress is, is, is something that's been very elusive. And you, we talked about, and you mentioned the sports psychology side, and it was, it's been very helpful and, and just a, a critical tool for so many, so many people. But the one thing I like about what's happening now with the technology like you guys are producing um, is how tangible it can be. You can see results real time. You can actually, the athletes can actually monitor and see what's happening. And when it starts getting out of their control, um, we can help provide them strategies to get it back in control until they can take that on themselves. And that's never happened before, and at least not like this. And I remember um, one of the greatest experiences I had personally with, with your technology was my, uh, my young daughter who was a, a mogul skier. And we were just working, you know, physically, she's on tune, everything was going fine. And we said, hey, well, we're going to go experiment with this because I'd seen it, you know, with our Olympic athletes. Let's go just try it. And um, she was uh, working with uh, John Stevenson, his own performance in Edmonton, yep. and they were doing the roller coaster, which was one of her first real experiences uh, on the technology. And of course, for people who haven't seen it before, you sit in this chair, you're all hooked up and you just sort of quiet yourself, quiet your mind, and you move the roller coaster. The, the quiet, the more quiet you are, the, the yep. roller coaster starts to move and it starts going faster as long as you stay on task. But as soon as you start getting distracted, the roller coaster slows down and stops. That right there was a game changer for her because she could then identify when it was happening, but also then she could, um, she could initiate uh, interventions on, on herself to help keep her on task. Boom. What, what a mic drop that was. Yeah. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. And that's where like the, the, the feedback happening in real time is important. Uh, it ties back to concepts of neuroplasticity. And if there's too much of a delay with that feedback, we lose all of the benefit of it. So being able again, thought tech is a medical device company. Um, and in the performance world for us, that means really two things. One is we have really great signal quality, so we could trust the signals we're seeing on the screen. And second, we know that what we're doing is really tied to research and tied to science. Um, and so that's where, that's kind of the background we're kind of shooting from and what we're kind of trying to maintain as we develop products, as we push, do kind of our part on the technology side to push the field forward. Yeah, I like it. We're talking with Lucas Borgo, the uh, product manager at Thought Technologies in charge of the performance products. You also mentioned two very, very important words, Lucas, that are critical no matter what you're doing. Uh, you mentioned awareness and mindfulness. Mm -hmm. Now, this mindfulness mm -hmm. thing has really, really uh, picked up steam and is gaining some recognition. And thank goodness, because 
it's such a powerful concept. It might be a little misunderstood out there and there's different versions of exactly what mindfulness is, but, but mindfulness and awareness are, are kind of one in the same. It's sort of just being in the moment, being aware of where you're at, how you're operating. And then, you know, if you have a good, if you have a good reference point, um, you can make the proper adjustments, one to keep you safe, but also to heighten and maximize your performance. Yeah. Yeah. And I, you know, I'm a lot of people saw it as the last dance documentary um, with about the Chicago Bulls. And when they started going to repeat championships, a lot of focus was, was put on staying in the present moment. So I, I'm going to mess up the quote, but Phil Jackson said something like a success is only in that moment and then you have to move on. And so they're really about being present. And that was one of the ways they really strove to kind of sustain performance. Um, again, this is for me on an outside kind of looking in and and interpreting what they said in the documentary, but really, really interesting that it was all about being present then. Um, and so when we look at skills, when we look at stress, um, what we look at potentially is the ability to take us out of that moment. And when we, when we take ourselves out of that moment, what we're essentially going to do is we're going to sabotage our performance. So if stress presents in something like um, tense muscles, it's actually going to change how we move. And it becomes very obvious when we look at sports that are the kind of these closed loop sports where it's really easy to see. So something like hitting a golf ball. Well, you put a, a professional golfer on the range and it's just this incredible show. But when they're putting for a million dollars, literally, then sometimes stress comes in and something that they would never, ever miss, they miss in that moment. Um, the same thing can be said for like soccer penalty kicks. In practice, they're going to be 90, 95% successful. Once they take them into the match, so saying a World Cup match, uh, a penalty kick shootout to win the game, that success rate drops. Um, you had mentioned one point, Jeff, taking this into other realms. The same thing happens in things like law enforcement, where they, they're required to perform at a certain level, say, with uh, or shooting tests. But when you put them in a situation where someone's actually firing back, their accuracy drops from something where it would be, say, 50 60% down to, like, 5%. And all of this has to do with stress. So if they're if they're squeezing the trigger a little bit differently, or if they're swinging their leg, if their kinetic chain is just a little bit off in, in, in that movement, it's going to cause some sort of disruption to performance. And so for I, again, from my seat, what we're trying to do is we're trying to give them the awareness and the kind of the presence to be able to put themselves into an optimal performance state, and to kind of hedge their bets that they're going to be able to have sustainable high performance over time. Uh, yeah, fantastic stuff. You know, we had a very uh, powerful conversation with Dr. Eric Pepper uh, from uh, uh, San Francisco State University about the power of posture and how our mm -hmm. postures change in different uh, states of consciousness, high anxiety, high stress states. We tense up and get very rigid. Uh, when we're relaxed and calm and safe, we can be, you know, a little more laissez-faire and a little more casual in our postures. But all of those things are really, really connected. And you know how they all say all roads lead to Rome? Well, Lucas, yep. would you be uh, would you be on board with me when I say all roads lead to the brain? <laughs> yep, yeah. they do. And, and uh, again, this is really interesting. What they figured out is that that road is always is a two way street. Right. So sometimes sometimes that that neurological uh, that CNS disruption is actually being driven some from something like our heart rate variability. So that, that communication is two-way street, but yeah, it definitely all ties back into the ring. Yeah, fantastic stuff. So maybe for our for our listeners um, who maybe don't know a lot about this, there's a lot of uh, dedicated parents, coaches, athletes listening right now at all levels too. We have pro teams. We've got people from Japan and Australia and, and Russia listening in right now and all over the world. We've got just a, a, a cool audience that, that we address here on Crush Performance a lot of them may not have heard about this this stuff before, Lucas. So maybe mm -hmm. maybe to, to to maybe shed some light on on what your area is and what you guys are focusing on. Maybe we could talk a little bit of about what exactly biofeedback is, neurofeedback is, because this is a very important concept, especially when we consider the technologies that are now allowing us to take our athletes to new levels. Yeah, yeah, and so yeah, for sure. If we take a step back to, to basically uh, to look at what basic bio and neurofeedback is, it, it, it's kind of that, that loop you had talked about early on. So we're, we're measuring something physiologically, whether that be our brain waves or our heart rate or our breathing. Um, I mentioned muscle tension. We're measuring something. 
And what we're doing is we're giving that information back to the user in real time, and we're trying to reinforce a condition. So there's principles of operating conditioning in there, um, but we're feeding that information back in real time and trying to positively reinforce a behavior, essentially. As we train, what we're essentially doing is giving the user um, control over what are normally automatic functions. So when we think about something like our heart rate accelerating or decelerating, we never ever think about that. But what we're doing is we're able to say, okay, now we're going to go through a slow breathing exercise. We're going to, we're going to reestablish some nice heart rhythms that we're, that we're accelerating and decelerating with our breath, that type of thing. And all of a sudden, they have better control over their physiology, over their physiological state. And that all ties back into what is what are the physiological um, or the physiological parameters of stress and how can we measure them and then how can we train them. And so bio-neural feedback is very much tied to biosignal measurement, real-time feedback, and reinforcing a condition. Absolutely amazing stuff. And uh, when we talk about the marriage of technology and the brain, this is what we're talking about. We're speaking with Lucas Borgo, product manager at Thought Technology. He's in charge of the performance product division. They're a fascinating discussion so far, Lucas. And, you know, if we look at where we've come from and so many good things have happened in the world of sport, but right now there's such a focus on pushing human performance to the new level at, at the professional level, but also at the Olympic level as well. And of course our thoughts and hearts go to all those Olympic athletes who are on standby now as the summer Olympics are on hold uh, still to this date with a, with an uncertain future. I mean, missing a quadrennial cycle, talk about anxiety and stress, um, maintaining a level of readiness for world-class performance is not easy, but that being said, um, we've seen some of the technologies uh, from thought technology at work at the Olympic level, and it's been an absolute game changer. We've had experiences with our mogul skiers and even some of our alpine skiers, and we've seen how it's changed their approach and also their ability to control those things that were typically before thought to be uncontrollable. That's not the case anymore. Okay. Yeah, yeah, 100% agree with you on that. And- uh, again, just integrating across different performance environments um, is really, it's really a tool that can be kind of, I don't say, I don't, I don't think it's a blanket approach, um, but it's a tool that can be applied anywhere where stress might be a factor. Um, and so we've heard it talked about uh, through uh, some, of our, some of our colleagues as the ability to control physiological state. So shift from, say, an active state into a recovery state. And that's really, a re- really, really a powerful thing. Um, when we look at high performance, uh, one thing that really separates uh, amateurs from professionals is their ability to kind of flip that switch on and off. So a rain delay in amateur baseball causes all sorts of performance disruptions, where if looking at Major League Baseball, it doesn't cause nearly as much. So that, that ability to kind of control our physiological state, to turn it on and off, that you develop that over time, but it can also be learned at some level. Yep. I really like it, Lucas. And the other thing that's really interesting to me too, is that awareness and how the brain operates in those situations for sure. Yep. But now the ability to map the brain, and we're talking about not just performance here, we're talking about personality traits. We're talking about um, uh, stress states. We're talking about even recovery and impact from concussion. This whole idea of brain mapping now is really, really powerful and interesting as all get up. Yep. Yep. And, and there, there's great breakthroughs there in terms of what's going on in the brain and how is that course and, and what context can that be put in? Um, so you mentioned concussion. Concussion is obviously a huge topic. Um, and the research that's coming out is there's, there's a brain aspect to it, but it's not always necessarily just a brain problem. So how can, what kind of tools do we have to kind of um, address the various aspects of concussion itself? A lot of really good research coming out. There's a lot of really groundbreaking facilities. I think there's a big one in Florida where they offer, they use a bunch of different types of technology to do like balance tests and neurological tests and EEG, um, where they're really starting to identify where, where the issues are and they're actually able to more actively rehab them. The old approach as of a few years ago was, you get a concussion, shut it down for a week, don't do anything, no screens, no strenuous mental activity, shut it down. And what they've come to is that that's completely wrong. They can rehab it like it's an injury. 
And so the approach has, has shifted massively as the technologies developed. Yeah, one of the fascinating outcomes and another great tool in the toolbox, in the arsenal of weapons to help our athletes not just stay safe and healthy, but also perform at their highest level. And of course, we cannot cannot neglect or or forget to mention once again that the implications here go well, well beyond sport. We're, you know, we're looking at a very stressful time in the world, Lucas, and with this whole COVID mm-hmm. shutdown. Um, we just finished a very powerful series called Class C, the Kids of COVID, looking at our high school seniors, our college seniors, and our developing pro athletes. I mean, you talked about the stress and the disruption of a rain delay. Well, boy, oh boy, this COVID might be one of the worst rain delays an athlete or young person could could ever imagine. Um, and there's implications yep. here as well, just a daily stress that people are dealing with. And this is another tool and another very important place that I think this technology can be very, very useful. 100%. 100%. We can, we can definitely get a better gauge of what people are going through, even if they're not aware of it themselves. Um, so there's a story that we learned from one of one, a good friend of, within our company, and basically it was uh, an athlete that was really stressed out. Said that there was nothing wrong because they're athletes and there's nothing ever, there's never anything wrong. And hooked up to us and she said, "Okay, now what's wrong?" He said, "There's nothing wrong." And took some pushing and prodding, but there were like five external factors that were stressing him out that he wouldn't admit to until he was shown, like, "Hey, I see that there's something wrong." Let's talk about this. So there was some insight there. And again, we can apply this across the board. So it's not just performance. We can get some insight into what's going on with, with people and we can kind of help them uh, kind of move forward, kind of give them some skills to be able to cope with things. Um, and really for us as, as a technology provider to give the professionals, give the psychologists, the sports psychologists, um, the clinical experts, a tool to help them in their work. Um, a tool to give them more insight so that they could either help people perform better or they could just help people get past whatever obstacles they have in front of them. Yeah. And even as you mentioned, just realize what's going on because, you know, I've been there before and there's also, there's that macho side, that macho side in the sporting world, particularly, and it's not exclusive to the sporting world where, Hey man, I'll be all right. There's nothing wrong with me. I'm, I'm okay. Of course, that's a big part of it, but also, um, you know, breaking down and working with some of these athletes, um, they just weren't aware. They, they didn't realize that it was the problem that it really was. So there's another door that's opening here as well. Yep. And so there was a study out of the CFL and they, they had asked a bunch of athletes if they had concussions, they were looking to, to really try to nail down a concussion incidence rate. And when they made the survey, when the survey was non-anonymous, the concussion incident rate, I think was 20%, if I remember correctly. 10 to between 10 and 20%. Once they made it anonymous, the number was closer to 75 to 80%. Really interesting research that just says athletes are, especially at the highest levels, they're wired to push. Like they're wired to push through everything because they're trying to get somewhere. And you have to have a special sort of mindset for that to work. And that, that mindset has to be, I'm not going to be deterred. I'm going to, I'm going to stay on that path. And so there are times as we get older and as we get more intelligent with what we're doing that when we know when we have to take the foot off the gas. Um, a lot of the the a lot of the skills that come out of like exercise physiology, a lot of the research that comes out of exercise physiology is to better is to more intelligently provide training programs that are going to keep people healthier and on the field for longer. And that's really our goal with the technology as well when working with with all of these professionals is to give them tools to help keep their athletes on the field longer. We don't want to take away their time. We want to give them more time. We want to give them more opportunities to do technical training, more opportunities to be with their coaches, more opportunities to be active and on the field and in this physiological space where they're able to properly receive the training and they gain the most benefit from it. Oh, powerful stuff. You are preaching to the choir here, Lucas Borgo. <laughs> preaching to the choir, my man. I'm telling you what, just raising the ceiling of potential. That's what it's all about. Lucas, such a great, great conversation today. And again, a very important one for us. We've been saying for years the the connection between technology and human performance is like we've never seen before, and we're just advancing it. Um, Lucas, thank you for your time today. I uh, really appreciate all your thoughts and insights, and I really look forward to uh, keeping this line of uh, conversation open because uh, this is just the beginning, isn't it? It definitely is. Um, as we move forward, as technology becomes more wearable, 
as it shrinks down. And as we understand the data better, it's, it's going to be really interesting to see where the world sits in one, two, five years, because I think we're really on the cusp of having a lot of big breakthroughs. Yeah, we really are. And Lucas, thanks to you and everybody there at Thought Technology for all the passion and work you put in. It's really, really impacted so many different people. And we'll look forward to staying in touch. Great, Jeff. Thank you very much. And really appreciate this opportunity. We'll be in touch. Ha, there you go. What a great, great conversation that was. Love Lucas. Love him, man. When we first talked on the phone, setting up this interview, uh, we hit it off. Talking sports. That's one of the things I really love about it. But uh, you could tell the passion he has for what he's doing and what they're doing at that company. Boy, oh boy, oh boy, some special stuff going on there. And you can check out their great stuff at thoughttechnology.com. But man, isn't it incredible where technology has taken us? And I've often said for years and years that the two areas that show the most promise for pushing human performance forward are technology and the brain, our understanding of the brain and our ability to train it. And not just the technology that we're talking about here with Lucas, all of the bio and neuro and brain training stuff, the technology that we use as equipment, the rackets, the bats, the shoes, the clothing, the bikes, you know, the technology that's now going into the equipment we're using is certainly helping us out. We know that for a fact. We've seen the numbers. We've seen almost virtually every sport put restrictions on equipment because it's just allowing us to do things we haven't been able to do before. But couple all of that technology with a technology that's now allowing us to train the brain and human performance like never before. <laughs> we're looking at new heights of performance. And we're on the cusp of it. So great, great discussion right there. All right, everybody, episode number four in the bag. More to come. We're going to talk with Lawrence Klein, the co-founder and vice chair of the board for Thought Technology. We're going to go back to the start of this whole thing. Where did the technology come from? What spurred them to get into this area? And what, what does the future hold? Most importantly, I can't wait to talk to Lawrence about that. And he, again, has been a big, big part of connecting us with some of the experts we've had on this series so far. More to come. Oh boy, his Rolodex, <laughs> impressive. But more impressive are the stories. He's also quite a poet as well. Maybe we'll see if he'll share a poem with us. Um, but just a fantastic story coming up. We're going to dig down deep. We're going to talk about the mental game. We're going to go back and talk about the mental game of sport because of the, in honor of the baseball playoffs. We're going to talk a little uh, baseball mental performance behind the scenes here with some of the people who are making it happen. And we're also going to look at some of the new advances that we can look forward to in years to come. And most importantly, over the next couple of episodes and going into the end of October here, we will decide whether the brain and everything that that encompasses should be one of our top priorities for setting us up to maximize human performance. Oh boy, I can't wait. Hey, listen, I hope you guys are enjoying this series as much as I am. I'm learning a ton. I'm getting a new perspective into the whole area of brain performance, the mental side of sport, but the mind as well. We've got a lot more to cover here. And if you guys have ideas, thoughts, or if you've been through something, if you've had an experience where maybe some aspect of brain training or psychology has really influenced your performance, let us know. Listen, I want to hear about it. I really do. I've seen it at work, ladies and gentlemen. I've seen it at work with my daughter, my athletes, and I've tried it out myself to find out if it's real. There's very few things that I will prescribe in terms of programming for our athletes that I haven't tried to experience myself. Very, very few things. And that's why we try to dig down so deep on all of this stuff. Because if we're going to recommend it or start programming it in for our athletes, boy, oh boy, you better believe we got to know what we're talking about. And uh, we're digging deep. We know the brain is special. We know it's a huge part of human performance. But I think as a collective and in the big picture, we're just on the front side of this exciting, exciting area of human performance. And we're getting to the bottom of it here. So, hey, listen, thanks for tuning in. Thanks for joining along on this ride. There's more to come. And if there's things you want to talk about or you want to hear about, let us know. Crushperformance.com is the website info at crush performance is the email i look forward to hearing from you all right that'll do it for today everybody now get out there have a great week stay safe and get better talk to you next time right here on crush performance goodbye now don't forget to ride this is a sitting ringside with david penzer quick fix on radio influence 
Ladies and gentlemen, this week on City Ringside, what a story to tell the man formerly known as Heath Slater. I was straight 50-50, and that's a fact. We all get this message, and then like we're all like, yeah, there's going to be some firings and shit going on. Guys are texting me. I'm trying to make breakfast. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm I'm sitting there texting the guys back, and I literally just was like, nah, man, I think if everything's cool. You know, like, I'm thinking the whole thing, like, nah, we've been there a while, man. We just got new contracts. We're okay. Like, I'm, I'm pretty sure we're good. But then I started thinking, you know, well, what if we all sign these big contracts, and they're wanting to save money, and they're going to get rid of everyone that just <laughs> signed exactly. the deal. You know, so I'm just like, hmm. So I look at Steph and I like show Steph the video. She's watching it and listening to it. She was like, yeah, I think this ain't good for anyone. I said, probably not, you know? And then <laughs> Hawkins or Myers now calls or it texts me. He's like, Hey man, I just got released. I was like, what? And he's like, yeah. And I'm like, dang. Okay. And then <laughs> Gallows and Anderson, I see pop up and then Ryder gets it. And I'm just like, holy shit. And then like, I'm like, I'm in that category with these boys. Exactly. <laughs> and then, yeah. And then next thing you know, like, um, I forget what I was doing. I was doing something with the girls. And then I go back to my phone and I saw a missed call by Mark Carano. So it was one of those things I looked at my wife, Steph. I just showed it to her. And um, she just was like, well, okay. So I go out on the, my patio and I call him. And he, I'm just like, man. You're telling me after nearly 15 years, COVID had to take my ass out? <laughs> I said, I didn't do a damn thing, and COVID had to take me out. Are you kidding me? Sitting ringside with David Penzer can be found on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Podcasts, and RadioInfluence.com.